Hi, I'm Juliette the Rabbi coming to you from New York City. Welcome, welcome to today's conversation. Today's conversation of one, <laughs> my thoughts. Bitter Cheshvan living up to its name. Light in the darkness. Those are the things that I want to talk about today. Uh, the Hebrew month of Cheshvan is more properly known as Bitter Cheshvan, Mar Cheshvan. So-called because there are no holidays during this month. It follows a month of deep introspection, joy, a lot of holidays, and then there's nothing. And as I write, the moon reaches its fullest, greatest light. Yet there's been nothing but darkness and bitterness in the past almost three weeks. Bitter Cheshvan has lived up to its name. Israel, Gaza, the Jewish and Palestinian worlds, or should I say world, are in the throes of fear, terror, destruction, death, despair. I feel unable to speak. I feel deeply the, the inability of the world to hold each other in love, grief, and despair across tribal lines. What remains is rage. I hear, they will destroy us, followed by, we will destroy you. What I see on, on social media is so disturbing. Senseless killing, this is what I hear. But I want to say, is killing ever senseful? The word that comes to mind for me is overkill. Does killing in the name of killing ever turn out okay? A young Jewish Orthodox woman quietly whispers, am I crazy or does it seem like Israel is going too far? She feels unable to speak. She can't speak to her family and friends. She feels silenced. And because I begin to doubt my own sanity in this situation, I say, oh, please tell me I'm not crazy too. I hear a mantra, of course I care about innocent Palestinians. And I want to ask, only the innocent? What about the Jewish tradition that says if you kill one person, it's like you're killing the whole world? Or does that only apply to Jews? And I want to say, show me someone who is innocent. And I hear Hamas doesn't care about its own people. And I want to say, show me a politician or political group that is not self-interested. I grapple painfully with the, my need to be cautious in my speech. Because of the situation, because it's such a sensitive situation, I'm speaking to people who have deep pain. And I grapple with that need to be cautious and my obligation to speak up and speak out. And I wonder who will listen, who will not shut me down. Returning from the wedding in South Carolina two weeks ago, almost three, well, yeah, almost three weeks ago, I buried myself in a book just as the Jewish and Palestinian worlds were beginning to rage. The book is called The Invention of Wings by Sue Monk Kidd. Maybe you've heard of her, maybe you've heard of The Secret Life of Bees. I took it off a shelf in a bookstore. On my first day there, it caught my, uh, my eye, the, the reds, the beautiful hues of red, and, but 
it, oh, now that I think of it, it's almost like blood, but it's also like the sunset of a sky. It's a historical novel set in Charleston in the early 1800s, and it follows the life and evolution of Sarah and Angelina Grimke, two sisters from a prominent slaveholding family. And Sarah is widely considered to be the founder of the suffragist movement. Yet it's so interesting, her name is mostly unknown, even in Charleston. And the house that she grew up in of these very prominent slaveholding of this very prominent slaveholding family is still there. Yet people don't know her name. We think of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, but we don't think of Sarah Grimke, and yet she started it all. They were even friends. So together with her sister in the 1830s, she fought to bring the abolitionist movement to the forefront in American minds. The beliefs of these sisters came from their direct experience of witnessing the horrors of slavery. They were strengthened by religious conviction. And while others said, pray and wait, they said, the cruelty and suffering must end today. If you were a slave, you wouldn't be saying, pray and wait. If you saw what I saw, you wouldn't be saying that. But as women there are many efforts made to, to silence them. There was a constant effort to shame them into loyalty to their own people, their family, their tribe. Yet they didn't give in. Not in our name was their cry. To everyone's dismay, the fight became as much about women's rights as it was about slavery. The famous quote, I ask no favors for my sex. I surrender not our claim to equality. All I ask of our brethren is that they will take their feet from off our necks and permit us to stand upright. You know who said that? Who wrote that? Sarah Grimke. And continued efforts were made by well-meaning people to separate the movements. But Sarah Grimke wrote this in response to the, the efforts of men to silence them within the movement and to say, no, 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 we have to, we have to separate women's rights from... We understand, you know, we understand you need rights and you have none. None at all. Zero. Couldn't own anything completely dependent on men. We understand that, but this is going to hurt the abolitionist movement. But Sarah and Angelina insisted that they were one and the same because justice for one is justice for all. While any is oppressed, all are oppressed. I also feel the pressure to defend my tribe. When I hear Jews shouting in the streets of New York, not in our name though, when I hear that, I break down sobbing because I feel this pressure to defend my, pro- my, my tribe. To say, I stand with Israel. But I break down crying when I hear, not in our name. Because it rings true. 
While the cry has been, this was our 9-11, I ask, did we learn nothing? If that's true, did we learn nothing from the 20 years that ensued after 9-11? Did we learn nothing from the excuses used for killing innocent people caught in the, cross, caught in the crossfire because of hidden weapons of mass destruction that, you know, we know what happened with that. Tunnels, hostages, the whole country united in war, for war. We hear the, the repeated mantra of pure evil. This is pure evil. And, and I remember hearing it was a beautiful coming together of all Americans across the divide. And I ask, was it? Anyone who questioned our war cry were yelled at. You're anti-American. You hate your own people. Go leave this country. But I love my country, and I always did, and my people, enough that I want us to be better. So I say not in my name. Like the evangelical who dares to speak for all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The arrogance to speak for others, to speak for Jews, for some Jews to speak for all Jews, and silencing those who question But instead of speaking, I find myself listening. I listen to other people's pain. I just listen because they can't. They can't listen. Their pain is too deep and too great. It's too fresh. And I understand their pain in a way that's hard to explain to others who are not Jewish. But I too have that pain. I too am horrified by the slaughter of Jews. I can't explain my nuanced point of view to other Jews any more than I can explain Jewish trauma to those who don't come from it. How can I ask people who are worried about family and friends to think of someone else's safety? To think of other tribes when it's their tribe that's being attacked? How can I ask people not to choose? What else are we supposed to do, they say? What, what would you have us do? People ask in frustration. And if the answer is, I don't know, then maybe we haven't thought hard enough. I hear this Chabad rabbi, there's this couple on Instagram, a Chabad couple. They're so cute and they do such a great job of talking about, you know, their style of life, their lifestyle and why Jews do this and why Jews do that. Again, speaking for all Jews. And this rabbi, the, the, the husband says, they're a young couple. He says, you feel helpless? Do a mitzvah. If you're a man, lay tefillin. This is after October 7th. A few days after. This is what he says. Lay tefillin if you're a man. And the wife says, if you're a woman, recite psalms. And that's how Mashiach, that's how the Messiah will come. And I think to myself, well, I lay tefillin every day. I'm a woman. Does it count? And then I hear a sermon in shul that makes me recoil that leaves me so deeply disappointed in my very progressive Jewish community. This person gives a sermon. I don't think she's a rabbi. I'm not sure. Last week, a couple of weeks ago. And she says, or maybe it was just last week. Yes. As horrible as everything is, she says, so many beautiful things are happening. We have to focus on that. Look at how Jews are coming together in Tel Aviv, the most secular place in Israel the most secular place on on earth. 
the restaurants are giving away hundreds of meals to soldiers and they're making their kitchens kosher. They're koshering their kitchens to the degree that anyone, literally anyone, no matter their level of Jewish observance, will feel comfortable eating there. They've reached out to the rabbinical authorities to put a rush on their kosher certification. And it's happening. Isn't it beautiful, she says. Jews coming together across divides. Maybe Mashiach really is coming. And everyone laughs. Because we normally make fun of those who speak that way. And now we're talking like them. But I, I want to cry. I cry because this is our progressive left giving in to our religious right. I cry because the progressive Jews of Israel have been forced to sideline their fight against the extreme right due to war. Because they've been forced to put aside their fight for democracy, what they believe in. And then somebody says, oh, well, it's only temporary. And I really fear that it's not. I fear that it will be lost in an ongoing war of death and destruction And it feels strangely coincidental, strangely intentional. Instead, we give in to the primal need to defend our tribe and survive once again. People say the Jews need a home, a safe place to go. Yes, we do, but not like this. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Where is Mashiach now? Then I have this dream a few nights ago. I dream that I become the owner of a building and it has a beautiful grand arched entrance with carvings in the entrance. But the entrance is strangely in the dark, in the the back, blocked from sight. And I'm afraid to go down to the basement. It's dark, I imagine. It's dank. I imagine cockroaches and water bugs. My worst fear, if you don't know me, mm. That's my thing. And a friend suggests that I block off half the building, the dark half, from usage. And I don't want to because that's where the beautiful entrance is. I need the whole thing. Then another friend says, you know what? I went down there. It's actually not so bad. Don't be afraid. I don't even know who these people are in my dream, but this is the, this, these are the voices that I hear. It's actually not so bad. Don't be afraid. You should go down and see for yourself. So I go with a little trepidation but then I see there are hundreds of rooms it's like a university there classrooms where I imagine animated discussion learning growth happening in the future I get really excited about it I feel hope I see hope and actually it's not so dark there is light that person was right Though it's the basement, light is flooding in and I see on the windows, the dirty windows that someone has wiped away the grime and drawn peace symbols with their finger through the grime. And the light shines through like the shouts of those happy children outside. I don't know if you can hear them. The light shines through and within the grimy spaces inside the symbols, inside the peace symbols, There are little feather wings, like angel's wings, and I'm filled with immense joy. There is light in the darkness. But I notice that the peace symbols are not visible all the time. Only when you look at them from a certain angle, and I keep going in and out and and seeing them and 
moving so that I, the light hits them in a certain way. So as we come towards the month of kiss love, the darkest time of the year, when we intentionally bring light into the world with the candles of Hanukkah, may we hold on to the images of light and hope. May we open our hearts so we can listen to and hold each other in our grief and pain beyond our tribes. May we raise our voices above the silencing and stop blaming each other. May we invent wings that carry the destruction and death away. May we find an entrance into a grand new era of peace and love. May we not see worlds, but one world. May we look from a different angle. May we find another way. And please say, Amen.